Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick DeLeon with my co-host, Lucas Tashi. Today, we're going to be talking about the COVID outbreaks that have been happening in Europe. And then we're going to go through La Liga and Syria, and we're going to get into some picks that we got for you guys this weekend. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome in, everybody. Lucas, how are things going? Uh, things are going great. Uh, I mean, we'll get into our bets later, but I went three for three last week. So very hyped about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, overall, our bets have been hitting pretty well. Uh, I would say we've just been killing it over the past two weeks. I think last week we went five for six. Oh, no, no, four for five because the Tottenham game uh, got postponed uh, due to COVID. So, I mean, I would say that's, that's pretty decent. I mean, listen, we're nine for 14 so far. That's a 64% win rate. So that's, 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 we should just like build a product and sell it. Well, we, we should, we should, that'd be, that'd be incredible. Um, but yeah, no, that's a good segue. Me bringing up COVID because what we want to talk about first is, uh, COVID cases have been ramping up in the, uh, across the world, uh, with the new variant that's, that's been coming up. Um, the Premier League has been hit significantly with COVID cases across all teams, really, not just a few teams, it's all teams, uh, where a lot of the teams only have like seven or eight first team members available. Spurs have had to cancel multiple games, two games so far. I think the third is already canceled. Um, United have had to cancel one game, two games already, one upcoming game. Uh, Brighton have canceled, uh, like, it's just insane how the Premier League has been handling the COVID cases, but it's something to watch out for because I can see a scenario where uh, the Premier League decides to push back uh, the league or the fixtures two weeks and just restart after the new year just so everybody can get uh, healthy and no longer COVID cases are necessary so I can see that happening. Or potentially the Premier League can take what uh, other leagues are doing, which Bundesliga is, I think, the German uh, country has more COVID cases currently, but the Bundesliga is still playing. And um, what they do is just essentially getting the fans not available at the stadium. So it's just interesting and wanted to point it out because it's a huge topic with all of football and all of the leagues around the world. Um, Nick, what are your thoughts with that? You know, it's so it's so interesting uh, because a lot of the times where we've seen it in the past, right, where people have gotten tested positive and they've uh, they've been visibly sick. In this case, like most of the most of the cases you see, that they're, they're you know they're not really exhibiting any severe symptoms, like not that we've heard of, right? And that's the thing that's very interesting to me. Uh, I'm curious to see what ends up happening in terms of like the regulations that they have. I also read something really interesting. And like you were saying, Bundesliga has, is always super organized and is always at the forefront and very, uh, honestly, very pro player. And to that credit, right? I think that the Premier League isn't like that anymore. And I think it's more uh, pro money and cash is king in the prem. So with that being said, right? Uh, I'll give you an example. Like Mikel Arteta talked about how, you know, four players tested positive for COVID in our home opener against Brentford. 
and there's there's no real like what's the criteria that's different from them having the match back then versus what's going on right now, right? And players testing positive, but yet they're postponing the matches. I think it's uh, very disappointing that there's no real set in stone criteria for postponing matches. So no one's on the same page and that they have to wait till the last minute to, to cancel these games. You know, it's very, uh, it's very hard for the fans. It's very hard for people that are, uh, you know, gamblers, people that are big fantasy players, just fans of the game in general, especially. So, I mean, my, my take is just that there's no real criteria that the Premier League is following. And that's just, uh, a disappointment and I, it just seems to me that they're just doing that because they want to hold the matches and try to get that match day revenue as much as they can and it's ridiculous to say that they want to get um get that money get that revenue because they can still get that revenue later on they're thinking very short term right now they're trying to get that revenue instantly but they can get that revenue later on it's not like they're going to be canceling matches over the uh, they they can extend it into the summer they can extend the Premier League two weeks into the middle of May or uh, late May. Like, that's not a problem. There aren't any international competitions coming up this upcoming summer because FIFA, the World Cup, is going to be in December. It's not like anything is going to be impacted. Yeah. So it's it's just ludicrous the way that the Premier League is acting about it. Um, and I agree with you. There is no concrete way or like a consensus uh, solution to go about it, but they should just ha- ensure everything is done coherently across all teams. Um, it's just like you said with Arsenal and Brentford in the beginning of the season, just unfair. Uh, and it puts a lot of teams at a disadvantage. I would say it puts the players at a disadvantage because they're going to have to go from getting COVID to practicing right away, not even getting a practice in and having to play. And it's players have already come out and said uh, playing with COVID has significantly impacted their ability to breathe, their ability to actually play the game. Uh, two players specifically, Kevin De Bruyne and uh, Joshua Kimmich, which we mentioned, have came out and said, yeah, it's not one to be messed with. Like Joshua Kimmich has still not been able to play despite yeah. the fact that he had COVID in early November, which is six weeks now, because his uh, his lungs are not at the speed that they should be. Yeah, and he, and and sorry, he he's come out and said that he regrets not taking the vaccine. Has, yeah, you know what I mean. And I, we were talking about this because we were on top of uh, Bayern for for one of the topics we talked about a few weeks ago when this when this happened with him, right? And for for you know it's it's one thing to to say you're not going to get it and then to get covid and to feel how bad you are uh it's an it's another thing to to be entirely preventative and to to mitigate these risks right i think he uh as a player underestimated the impact that it could have on him mm-hmm. you know and i'm listen we're, we're never going to tell people what to do what they should do uh with their bodies is that a choice but when your body is your profession yeah. That's something that should definitely be considered. And I don't know. I mean, listen, he, I was on record last year saying that he's the best center midfielder in the world, in my opinion. I don't know how this impacts how he plays because, you know, he hasn't been back yet. Normally, the symptoms shouldn't take this long, but there's long lasting effects with certain people. So it's just it's tough to see. 
Uh, and, you know, I hope I hope he gets back into it. And the same thing with De Bruyne. I mean, he's come to form recently, but it yeah. took him a while. It took him a while to get back to, to where he was before. Yeah, no, I agree. So it's just something to monitor because I can see a world where uh, some of the leagues postpone, some of the leagues don't postpone. Um, I think what's good is across every single league, except for the Premier League, they have a winter break. So the Bundesliga has a winter break where they can help conquer that uh, and conquer uh, COVID and how to tackle that. Serie A has a winter break. Um, La Liga has a a very small winter break, but still a winter break. I think it's roughly like 10 to 14 days, which is good enough time. I think the Premier League should just take action and and do similar uh, to the other leagues. Um, I know it won't be something that they'll do long term, but just for the immediate we'd rather be able to watch football and know that the competition is the best competition that they can put out there we don't want to have to see under 18s or under 19s constantly play uh it's it's just not as entertaining you know yeah i agree with you 100 percent um that being said i think we spent some good time on this and we've had some dialogue that's uh pretty productive at the same time, this conversation is uh, isn't going to end for a while, right? So yeah. I think I think we should move on to the the leagues that are are having uh, games like this weekend as of right now, and try to do our best to to kind of analyze what's going on in both Syria and La Liga, like we said we would uh, as of last week. So Lucas, your pick. Which one do you want to go to first? Oh, man, it's a tough one. Both are very, very interesting in different ways. Um, I think we should go with La Liga and then uh, leave Serie A last because Serie A is just action-packed. Up there. Yeah, I agree. Um, if, you're, if you're looking for us analyzing La, uh, what was it, the Premier League and the Bundesliga, we did analyze that in last week's podcast, so feel free to go back and listen to that one. 100%. So, La Liga, I'm going to kick it over to you because this is your okay. league. This is, you're just loving yeah. life right now. This has been such a fun year. I'm not going to lie. It's been like it's been way more fun than I expected, and it's probably been the most fun I've had uh, since Ronaldo left, you know, since that last season he was, the, he was here. So Real Madrid has won 10 consecutive games in all competitions. Uh, it doesn't matter who they play. They always win. The Real Madrid money line is inevitable, and they're top of the table with 42 points. Uh, the runaway, one runaway team right now by far. Like just yeah. no matter who they play, it doesn't matter. It's always impressive, and it seems like they've always gone. Uh, they've always gotten the win, right? So they're top. Sevilla is second with the game in hand uh, with 34 points, and followed by Real Betis, who has also been really impressive this year who I also shouted out. And then fourth is uh, Atletico Madrid. So uh, tied with Atletico Madrid is Real Sociedad. Both of them have 29 points. They both lost a few games over the past uh, match day weekends. And then Rayo Vallecano uh, with Falcao, our boy, sitting at 27. Barcelona all the way down in eighth place at 24. Uh, I think we just think it's interesting just based on the fact that Barcelona has underperformed and there's been a couple of teams overperforming like Real Betis. And I I just, uh, before I kick it off to to you, Lucas, I just have to say, you know, I mean, 
Militao has come into his own this year. He's probably, in my opinion, the best defender in the league, which is crazy because you would think it would be Alaba. It's not. It's Militao. Uh, even though their center back depth isn't what I would like, they still have a great starting 11. And, I mean, we've talked about Finicius and Benzema before, so I'm not going to go on that rant yeah, anymore. Yeah. But I think the the most interesting thing about this league so far is obviously the fall of Barcelona, which we love to forecast. And then also the competition for the Champions League spots and how intense it's been. You know, Atletico Madrid have, have only lost two games in a row, but before that they were playing well and now they're in fourth place. So so it's like it's like even if they win their game of hand, they'll still be in fourth place. And Barcelona you know, has their game in hand with, I believe, Atletico. So you're looking at that match, and that's kind of going to be the thing that really separates the top four from Barcelona. So that, in my opinion, is probably the biggest game uh, left to play that has it, you know, has been postponed in terms of the league this weekend, right? I'll turn it over to you in a sec, but Sevilla Atletico Madrid is the, the game this weekend where we're going to find out a lot about both of these teams yeah 100 percent. that was the game that i was looking at for this weekend um yeah just looking at barcelona i think that's the big storyline for this season because that downfall is tremendous you would never imagine barcelona having an 18 point deficit to real madrid but here we are in 2021 with them having an 18 point deficit again it's they do have a game in hand so take it with the grain of salt but Having an 18-point deficit from Real Madrid and Barcelona is just absolutely unreal to see. Uh, and just looking at the performances, it's not like they're performing well either. They are really just, they're, they're getting beaten. Like, they are not outperforming teams. And um, I like to use XG quite a lot. Their XG is not good in those matches. They're significantly underperforming everywhere. Their XG is very low. They're not able to even put away chances. For example, if your XG was really low, but you're out uh, exceeding your XG, you're scoring more goals, you're winning those games. But Barcelona is just not doing that. Both offensively and defensively, they are not good whatsoever right now. And in January, they're actually looking to offload a lot of players. There's been rumors that they're looking to offload Frankie de Jong, uh, Ander Ter Stegen, and I want to say a couple other guys. Um, but they're looking to offload those guys. And it's just, it's crazy because I, I would say those two guys are their two best players outside of like the youngsters, like Pedri, Yansu Fati. I'm just saying guys that are in the, like in their prime, in their peak, I would say De Jong is a player that will be sought out after so much across all the leagues, across all the teams. He is a fantastic center mid. Um, but they're relying too heavily on the old guys. PK is just too washed right now. Busquets is just too washed right now. And I mentioned this a couple couple uh, podcasts ago that Xavi is probably the best choice for them right now. And they needed to watch the se- like let the season be a wash. Like get the youngsters in, let them play. And I, I think that's what will inevitably be- inevitably happen. But I just I just don't see a way that they they get into the top four. I just don't see a way. Uh, yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, their two best young players are have also been out. You know, Pedri and Ansu Fati both both out. So like those are arguably two of their five best players right now. And I mean, it's just it's just crazy to watch. Uh, I enjoyed every single second of it. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but the thing that stands out the most, Lucas, is if I told you the last time Barcelona won a game was like three weeks ago. You'd be like, wow, that's a long ass time for Barcelona. Yeah. Like that's that's just been the standard for them. Like that's something that's been, become the norm for them, and it's just it's crazy to to see what's gonna happen. I mean, I'm sure they'll beat Elche tomorrow because Elche are not good. They're literally like fighting off uh, relegation, so you expect them to win that game. But I mean, uh, they lost to Real Betis, right? And mm-hmm. And I thought they would they would lose that game, to be quite honest. Like, I just really did, because that's how good Betis have been. They've scored the second most goals in the league this year. So it's just, you know, it's hard. Do I think they'll make Europe? They will, but I don't think they'll make the Champions League. And I've been on the record saying that because it's just too tight right now. We're halfway through the season, you know. They still have to play the same teams that they've played and performed poorly with, with the same squad they have. Probably uh, again, but even with a weaker squad than before, you know, how many teams, how many teams would want De Jong? How many teams would be willing to pay 60 to 70 million pounds to get De Jong in January, like right now? A lot of teams. A lot, at least 10 teams off the top of my head. I already know Arsenal would want him. Manchester United would want him. Why wouldn't Liverpool want them? They have the center midfields. They could use the depth. Man City would fucking love him. Excuse my language. But like Inter Milan, you know, like AC Milan, like I can go on and on. I mean, maybe they can't afford him. uh, But Newcastle, Newcastle would love him. They would pay a premium, 100 million pounds for Frankie de Jong right now. No big deal. Uh, cook the books, Barcelona. You do you rest, you know. Yeah. Uh, like I, I said, I, I see it. I see Real Madrid winning this league, uh, probably with seven games to spare. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like seven to ten games to spare, because right now they're eight points ahead of Sevilla. Lucas, but they got through the hardest part of their schedule already. Yeah. They beat Atletico. They beat they beat Real Sociedad. They beat Sevilla. They beat Barcelona already. Yeah. They have. I'll tell you who they have left. Right. They play Cadiz. They're a minus 500 favor against them. They play Athletic again, uh, which is fine because they're a mid-table club, although historically great. Getafe, Valencia. They play Barcelona in the Supercopa de España semifinal. I mean, who's picking against Real Madrid in that game? They play Elche, Granada, Villarreal, Alves, Real Vallecano. Like, they don't play a serious team until March 6th, where they play Real Sociedad. So they don't really play a serious game in the league until then. Uh, they play PSG and they play Barcelona, but that's not in La Liga. So question for you. Do you think Barcelona, going back to Barcelona, do you think Barcelona will focus on the Europa League to win that and get Champions League qualification that way? Or do you think they'll try to get into the top four? What would What would you think and what would you expect? Their better chance, honestly, their better chances in the Europa League. To okay. I think, I think, uh, I think even then though, it's going to be difficult for them. Like yeah. I, honestly, like I don't even know, just based on their form. Like I don't even know if I'd pick them over any team that just got eliminated from the Champions League over two legs, like Sevilla. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I could see Sevilla beating them, right? Like it's just so hard because. There's just nothing that stands out about them. And yeah. 
I mean, when when Pedri and Ansu Fati come back, like I would, I hope that they pick up their form. But to be so thin, right? And that's the biggest problem with them. They're so thin that like one injury just derails their form, and they're they're littered with a squad of very injury prone players. Yeah. Yeah, I I just uh, I would agree with you. Uh, yeah. I think they're gonna focus on it, but I don't think they'll win. I, yep. I I agree that Sevilla is probably one of the favorites. I think Dortmund's one of the favorites. Agree. Um, you can also give a shout for Napoli, uh, West Ham. I could even put up there. Um, yeah. I, I, could, I, I go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say uh, before we go on to to Syria, I just want you to finish your point, and then I'll say something else. No, that was it. That was it. Yeah. Okay. So the other things, like we obviously Barcelona and Real Madrid are two giants, right? But Sevilla and Real Betis are two clubs from the same city in Seville where they've always been performing really well. I mean, Real Betis, this is like the best season that they've had in a long time. Like I'm talking probably, I mean, they finished fifth a few years ago, but like when they were Champions League, uh, like automatic qualifiers in the early 2000s. Like, this is the best season that they've had. They're fun to watch. I really like them. I know that uh, there's, like, this center back named Mark Bartra who used to play for Barcelona. Uh, I think he played for Dortmund then moved back to Betis. Like, he's really good. He's had a great season. Uh, they sold Emerson to Barcelona, who then sold Emerson to Tottenham. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I just think I just think that – Betis has uh, become a really well-run club. Manu Pellegrini's done a great job with them. They always play exciting football, especially when he's the manager. So I want to give them a shout. Uh, and then I also want to give a shout to Real Sociedad. You know, their their problems are only on debt. Their starting 11 has always been really good. They have Isaac, who we really like. They have David Silva. But it's just it's just the same thing with them every year where they're, they have a great starting 11, but they don't have the debt. And the last thing I want to say uh, is Atletico Madrid has been very disappointing this year. They, they're 13 points behind Real Madrid. Uh, that loss against them over the weekend was pretty catastrophic. And that kind of just – it's crazy to say that like halfway through the season it's over, but if Real Madrid doesn't lose Vinicius or Benzema for the season or for a few months, then it's over. 100%. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. And I mean, like we've talked about before, but like the the fact that one player's one player has changed his game and in turn changed the outlook of the, the club, like with Vinicius is just unbelievable to me yeah. and just so impressive. And I could just talk about him forever because he works so hard. And uh, I mean, I'm a Real Madrid fan, but it's just uh, people wanted to write him off, even though he was 20 years old at the time, people yeah. to write him off for being a flop. He joined Real Madrid when he was 17. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's he's not even in his prime yet. Like, he's not even close. He's six or seven years away from his prime, and he's already doing stuff like this where he scored 12 goals so far in all competitions. He scored more goals in the league than he did in all three seasons before that. So, I mean, he just continues to impress me. Uh, he's finally getting the call up to Brazil and becoming the regular that he deserves to be. And... I mean, he's gonna be he's gonna be a world beater for a long time. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, so I think I think we covered off on La Liga pretty well. Uh, I think it's time to get into the the 
league that really is just so much action week in and week out. You really don't know what's going to happen every single week. Uh, the Serie A, uh, just going into this weekend's matchups, I feel like every weekend there's just always a match that is like so interesting, so like tight, like a big yeah. matchup. This weekend we have two of them. We have Atalanta versus Roma, and we have Milan versus Napoli. And Milan versus Napoli can be massive for the final standings. Like, absolutely huge for the final standings. Um, but going into the standings themselves, we have Inter in first place uh, with 43 points. They're actually re- they're playing right now, um, winning 3-0. Uh, followed by Milan at 39 points, Atalanta with 37 points, Napoli with 36 points. Uh, Napoli has fell off quite significantly over the past few weeks. Uh, losing Osimnan from their team has been a huge detrimental like aspect to them. They haven't been able to score goals, uh, and really not having him has been horrific for them. Then you have Fiorentina in fifth place, uh, Roma in sixth place, followed by Juve in seventh place. And I think Juve, we, we can say the same thing about Juve that we said about Barcelona. They had a huge drop-off. Juve lost Ronaldo. They lost all those goals. Messi, uh, Barcelona lost Messi. They lost all those goals, all, all those assists. And now they're in seventh place. Uh, it's just, it's crazy to see. But... Going back to the actual title contest, um, the top four, I would say, is pretty secure right now. Uh, top four positions. But you can see any team finishing in any position. With Inter having a game in hand with 43 points, uh, if Milan, Atalanta, or Napoli win their game, they'll it, it'll all be within four points, which is crazy. So going back to the matchup for this weekend, Milan versus Napoli, whoever wins that game is going to have a huge upper hand into the title contest, into the title picture. Milan wins, they'll be one point back of Inter. Napoli wins, they'll be tied with Milan with 39 points and four points back of Inter. Um, And then Atalanta versus Roma, another huge matchup. Like, if if Atalanta wins, they'll be at 40 points, three points back of Inter. And then if Roma wins, they'll be at 30 for 31 points, and they'll have a good chance at finishing fifth or sixth, uh, differentiating themselves from Juve. Um, yeah, so a lot a lot to take in there. But, Nick, what, what are your thoughts on this league? I mean, honestly, like, I just feel like Inter Milan uh, losing the, the, the players that they did and still having a great transfer window, you know, with the profits they made off of Lukaku – uh, it's just, it's just great business by them. Honestly, like they, I just felt like they've never lost a step when I've watched them. They mm-hmm. signed Denzel Dumfries, who's been so good for them. He started at right back. He replaced Hakimi who got sold to PSG, who they also made a profit off of, which is incredible to think about. You know, they still have Alexis Sanchez, uh, Jekko, and then Martinez also stepping up this year, uh, has, really kind of made up for the loss of Lukaku and they still kept Nicolo Barella, uh, who's a great midfielder and they have Brozovic, right? Like they have good players yeah. and they were able to fill the holes of what they lost. And that's why they've been so successful. 
I would jump in. Let me jump in there regarding Dzeko. Dzeko was one of those smart transfers that replaced Lukaku. Yep. Dzeko and Dumfries were brilliant signings for uh, Inter, and they've been vital for this side. And Calhoun Naglu, too, who's also a free transfer. Free transfer. Yeah, like, I mean, they basically basically replaced players uh, and still made a profit, essentially, Mm -hmm. right? And... It's been it's been really good because they haven't lost a beat. They've scored the most goals uh, by far in the league, and they've conceded the second least. So I mean, just looking at the the job that Inzaghi has done as a coach, it's been really good. And uh, I'm just I'm I'm very impressed. They they have been the most impressive team this year. Uh, and then obviously I agree with you that Juventus has been the most disappointing. Uh, that I don't think that's really Allegri's fault. You know. Uh, I know tactically he's more defensive uh, oriented, but they don't have the horses to generate the offense that they need to compete with the other teams in the top five. And then also the other thing that stands out is just Fiorentina continuing their winning streak. They've won four of their last five from what I've seen. And Vlahovic continues to do uh, do great things and prove that he's like one of the most up and coming promising strikers in Europe. The one thing I will say uh, to conclude this, Lucas, is I feel really bad for Napoli because they were having such a great season. And to have, you know, essentially their best offensive player get hurt uh, and derail them by quite a bit is, is hard to see. Uh, I definitely think that they would be contending and they still might be after a while. They just have to get their tactics right and someone has to take on the role of being that forward player. Uh, I think the January window is coming at the best time for them, to be quite honest, because I think if this happened in the second half of the season, uh, they would have no opportunity to recover, and there's there's a chance that they'd be out of it. But right now, I don't. I, even if they lose to Milan, if there's still so much season ahead that I, I still don't consider them out of it because they can do things that can possibly change their outcome. I mean, having Osamnam come back, I think he's going to come back middle to late January. Yeah, uh, I I think that could be huge for them. Um, but yeah, it any anybody within the top four I think can win the league. Uh, but as of now, Inter is far and away uh, the most impressive side because I mean losing their two best player, well two of their best players, uh, their leading goal scorer last year, and then just to not miss a beat is very impressive. Um, and then they also have the Champions League. Uh, matchup coming up too so um it's possible that they will have to worry about the champions league and have to rotate players whereas a team like milan will not have to do that they won't even have to get into the europa league because they finished fourth in the champions league so they'll be able to rest their players in the middle of the week yeah Um, so that's that's one thing that i do want to point out for milan and uh napoli napoli they're in the europa league atalanta they're in the europa league but they won't have to uh, they can rotate players a lot easier than Inter does because Inter you want to play your strongest side in the Champions League. Uh you want to you want to go far in that competition because that means more money for them. And yeah. with how their with how their finances were I think it was last summer um that's why they sold Lukaku, that's why they sold Hakimi with how their finances were they need the money. So uh, they're, they're going to go all out to try to win win uh, the Champions League, really. 
Yeah. And I mean, the other team I want to give a shout to is obviously Atalanta. Those boys keep doing it. They've, I mean, they've been on a mission, right? Like they, they were outside of uh, the top six, uh, like I want to say like six or seven match days ago. And they've just gone on this incredible run where they, they round to form. Right. And this is the team that uh, we expected them to be like, there's no doubt. And there was no doubt, at least in my mind, that they would qualify for the Champions League because they've just been so consistently good over the past four or five years. And uh, that proves it like they're, they're very much going to be locked in. So with that being said, you know, they, I don't know if they'll contend, right. But they'll certainly qualify for the Champions League and they'll certainly pose problems. Uh, Lucas, I just have one question for you though. If we took, the club crests of Barcelona and Atalanta, and we swapped them, right? And this playing style was the same, right? Like, we had Barcelona with the, these players playing this way right now as Atalanta. How happy do you think Barcelona fans would be if, like, Barcelona was third in the se- this season, right, to having lost Messi, but they were playing really attractive football, they were attacking they were dominating. They didn't care if they gave up four because they would try and score five. Do you think if you were a Barcelona fan, you would be having fun this year with the expectations that Messi is not there? I don't know if you'd be having fun um, because you still have that differential from uh, Real Madrid and they always compare their so- themselves to Real Madrid. But it's not going to be as embarrassing as what it is now. I think, yeah. I think it's more bearable. But you definitely would not be having fun. Um, yeah, I think that's my opinion. I don't, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I just love watching them play. I just I was interested. I ultimately would have to agree because the standard for Barcelona has always been competing for the league title. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's just my point is just that Atalanta, you know, was this has historically been uh, not not an irrelevant club or a no name club, but historically not as successful compared to any of the Italian clubs in the league, and yet they're in a better position than Barcelona is right now. Uh, With their youth academy, with the amount of players that they've put through and the system that they have and the continuity, right? And, like, all the things that Atalanta has is the reason why they're good, and these things are the things that Barcelona is missing. I just wanted to take a look at something to see if Atalanta and Barcelona could face each other in the Europa League. And as I did that, the draw actually took place. Barcelona is oh, facing, facing Napoli. Oh, my God. This round of the Europa League. So that's no easy, easy competition there. Uh, yeah. They have a very difficult matchup. And they, they play February. Facing, yeah, February. Atalanta is facing Olympiacos. Uh, yeah. I think Sevilla is facing Dinamo Zagreb. So it seems like an easy matchup for them. But yeah, Barcelona and Napoli. Uh, if Barcelona can get a few wins over Napoli, that could be a huge momentum shift for that team and really boost their confidence. Yeah, tough draw, think, dude. Do I think it'll happen? No. Such a tough draw, though, for them. You know, they like you said, like if Osman is expected to be back in late January, like he's he's going to probably be fit to play against this against Barcelona, which means the Napoli we saw at the beginning of the season is going to be a lot closer mm-hmm. uh, to the Napoli that we know and that's going to be playing against Barcelona. So that, that puts them in a tough spot. 
I'll probably bet Napoli. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm really thinking about it. Dortmund against Rangers. I mean, it's, this is a great segue, Lucas. But Dortmund against Rangers, pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, Porto, Lazio, and Zenit, Real Betis are good matchups. And so is RB Leipzig and Real Sociedad. So those are three tasty games. Uh, and then, you know, like you were saying before, Atalanta against Olympiacos is going to be a fun bet the over kind of fixture for both games. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, that's a great segue because now we can just get into the Champions League draw, uh, which we didn't really touch on, but it, it was very dramatic. Yeah. Uh, there was like so much drama that happened with the Champions League draw that happened on Monday. Um, there was a technical error where the the guys did not put the ball of the team in the right spot or they didn't even take it. And it, they said they claimed it was a technical error, but it was definitely not a technical technical error. It was just UEFA just messing up big time. With that, so we had to get a redraw. The first draw was PSG versus Manchester United. We were going to get Messi versus Ronaldo. Didn't happen because it had to be a redraw. Um, to Just so UEFA can save face, essentially. With the redraw, we get... An even tastier matchup. We get PSG versus Real Madrid, where Messi is facing Real Madrid. Sergio Ramos is facing his old club. Kylian Mbappe is facing his potential future club. <laughs> quite, quite the tasty matchup there with a lot of good storylines going on there. Um, but other than that, we have Inter versus uh, Liverpool, Sporting versus Man City. Salzburg versus Bayern, uh, Chelsea versus Lille, Villarreal and Juventus, Atletico versus Manchester United, Ronaldo's uh, favorite rival, and Benfica versus Ajax. Uh, really, I, I don't know if there's any matchup that is like a first sure. Actually, Man City versus Sporting is the only matchup that I can see Man City easily moving on, and Chelsea and Lille. Bayern. Bayern, yeah. Okay. Yeah, never mind. Good call. Yeah. Other than that, pretty pretty juicy matchups there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm looking at this, and uh, I mean, we gave really good insight when uh, the last match day six games had been played, where uh, we did some predictions on how the draw would play out, and it seems like we were correct. Where Man City and Juventus had the uh, path of least resistance for opponents they could possibly get, mm -hmm. and with that being said, you know they got two two decent matchups for both of them. Bayern also getting RB Salzburg is huge. Uh, Chelsea getting Lille is big for Chelsea. Atletico Madrid, Man United is going to be tough. Probably, uh, honestly, like possibly a low-scoring fixture over the course of both legs. Uh, I could totally see Ronaldo being the only goal scorer over the course of these two fixtures. Just because of how defensively Atletico Madrid are and how some for some reason they can't get uh, on the same page at, uh, like offensively and develop the chemistry that they need. PSG Real Madrid, man, is like you could put that in any single phase of this competition and it's a headbanger. Yeah. And, I mean, it's going to be interesting because we talk about how PSG have had the greatest transfer window of all time. But, you know, it's it's been difficult to watch them in Champions League because they haven't lived up to their performance if they perform anything like they did in the group stages and the knockout stages, then I see Real Madrid taking this pretty easily. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure Real Madrid have, I have to double check this, but I want to say they've never been knocked out of the round of 16 in the Champions League. I'm not sure. I have to double check. I know they've always qualified for the round of 16, uh, but I have to double check that for you. But I think this situation, you know, I'm going to obviously vouch for Real Madrid to go through. Enter Liverpool, I really like that game. I think Liverpool will go through there. Uh, Ajax continues to be the dark horses, though, and they get a they get a very favorable draw, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. They definitely do get a very good draw. Of course, Benfica is not one to just walk over, though. Yeah. Um, they, they have played well. Uh, but yeah, that that's uh, really exciting. Coming up uh, February, mid-February, a lot to look forward to there. Uh, and with that, Nick... Should we get into our bets for this week? As as I mentioned, we're we've been on fire over the last uh, two weeks, uh, and then since we've started, we've been nine for fifteen. I mean, sixty five percent. We'll take that any day of the week. Uh, so, Nick, I'm gonna kick it over to you. What's your first bet of the week? Uh, so I like AC Milan over Napoli. Oh, okay. You get plus odds. Uh, Napoli have had a pretty poor run of form, and I think uh, I think AC Milan need this game. So I just think that I just think that you get AC Milan uh, off that off that form uh, compared to to Napoli's form, and I just I just like the bet of AC Milan with the plus odds. Okay. Do you know exactly what those odds are? So I mean, FanDuel's not letting me look into these Syria, uh, the Syria like fixtures, right? Because you can look at more match days, and it's on Sunday. But it's plus one thirty according to to Bleacher Report. So it's going to be around those lines. Yep. Uh, you're looking at you're looking at probably like minus uh, one thirty odds for a draw no bet, which is probably uh, more recommended over just the AC Milan money line, in my opinion, right? So I I, th- I just think that either of those are good bets. Uh, but in terms of our picks and trying to be uh, trying to have a good win rate, I'm gonna go with the AC Milan draw no bet with the minus like probably like 130 140 odds. Yeah, it's actually great guess minus 145. Yeah. Okay. I I have that written down. That's how you know you've been gambling for a while. If you That's can predict what it is, yeah, for sure. My first one is on Sunday, and of course, with any Premier League action, you don't know if the games are going to happen, but if they do uh, get postponed, you'll be able to get your money back because they void the bet. But my first one is Manchester City versus Newcastle over three and a half goals at plus 116. Uh, my rationale for that is... Man City has just been on a goal rampage, and Newcastle love to concede goals. Uh, <laughs> Newcastle have just lost 3-1 to uh, Liverpool, where they scored. That that helps that over. Uh, they have lost to the big teams. They have gotten destroyed by at least three or four goals. So if how Liver- how Man City played on Tuesday continues into Newcastle on Sunday, it's going to be an easy over three and a half. Yeah, I like that bet a lot, especially when they put seven pass leads. Yeah. Uh, and that goes into my next bet. So I also like Arsenal over leads at minus 115. So uh, is that going to be your pick? 
No? Is there something you're gonna you're not telling me right now? Did I get postponed? No, 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 no. It's not that. Just uh, continue, cause I'll tell you my pick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, is it the opposite? <laughs> you're picking the exact opposite against me. That's fine. So, so I just like I just like Arsenal over Leeds because Arsenal had an impressive performance over West Ham. They already uh, had their couple of bad games, so I expect them to pretty much round into into form. And Leeds just have not had that good season that they. Uh, they should have Arsenal squad is basically fully healthy, barring Aubameyang not being around till like the end of January because he's uh, not in the squad and because of Afcon. So uh, I just I just like the Arsenal minus one fifteen because you get uh, you get a team that's been performing well <laughs> against a team that has been performing very f- poorly this season. So go ahead, Lucas. <laughs> So my bet is, and this is how you know we don't talk to each other about our bets. My bet is Leeds. Draw no <laughs> bet at plus 186. Um, Leeds is home. Leeds is home. They have a lot of pressure. The manager has a lot of pressure on them right now. And Arsenal are horrendous on the road. Absolutely horrendous. To the point where they even lost to Everton on the road. Um, so that's my rationale plus, uh, leads plus 186. That's such a great point. I didn't, I didn't realize they were, they were home. That's such a good bet, Lucas. I might have to draw my bet. You might've convinced me out of it. Actually. I'm convinced. Uh, I will stay away. Explain to you. Arsenal is a way fixture run. No, I know their form's poor. I didn't realize they were at, uh, they were at Leeds because I just glanced at it for a second. So go ahead. Tell me, because so, I know they've been performing well at home. and They have they- been performing very well. If Arsenal was at home, I would 100% bet Arsenal to win. But given their away, uh, they lost 2-1 to Everton. They lost 3-2 to United. They lost 4-0 to uh, Liverpool. Um, they did beat Leicester 2-1. Uh, and then they drew to Brighton away. Like, just the last four fixtures away have just not been good for uh, Arsenal. And they lost to Everton, man. Like, they lost to Everton. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't want to ask you to pick another bet, but, like... No, no, you're right. Listen, I was convinced as as soon as you said... Leads are at home. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And then you get plus odds off the draw no bet. I think that makes better sense than just betting Arsenal outright, especially if the away form has been poor. So exactly. let me transition to a different bet where we get some plus odds because I do have backups. Uh, I don't know if we're doing three today or not. Do you have two? I have two. Okay, so then my second bet then will be instead of the Arsenal money line, I'll do the real Sociedad money line. At plus 120 against uh, Villarreal. Villarreal has been very poor, right? And I think uh, with Real Sociedad, they're at home. And I know they've they've had a little bit of a rough run of form. But with a rough patch comes a good performance. And I think that they're going to be able to, to beat Villarreal at home. So I'm going to lock that in as my second bet instead of the Arsenal money line. I like that. I like that. All right. We're good. Hopefully we continue this run form. Yeah, for sure. With that being said, though, I have to I have to uh, fact check myself to see to see what has happened. Uh, OK, so 
I was incorrect, right? They were out of the round of 16 uh, in the 18-19 season. It says, really, did it say the 18-19 season? And then also the 19-20 season, it looks like. So they have been eliminated from the round of 16 before, 19-10 as well. So there are instances where they did not make it to the, uh, you know, basically to the championships to win it, essentially. So that being said, I was incorrect. They have not. Uh, you know, they have not always qualified for the quarterfinals. It's always past the group stages. So just had to fact, my sh- fact check myself there. Uh, my memory is foggy. So <laughs> it is what it is. But we should still expect to see Real Madrid perform pretty well against PSG in the round of 16. 100%. No doubt about that. All right, bud. With that being said, is there anything else you would like to bring up? Uh, No. Uh, I think we we had a great pod today covering off on a non-Premier League uh, podcast today. We we typically touch on the Premier League quite a lot, but today we touched on a lot of the other leagues, which is good to just branch out. Um, ha- had uh, enjoyed myself and look forward to discussing more about the other leagues uh, down the line. Yeah, 100%. All right, with that being said, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll catch you next week. Enjoy them techers.